we think we're about ready to go. Seems like we're about there for time. Yeah. So if I feel like uh, we, we have mostly familiar faces here, I see Glenn. Um, so if just by a show of yes, no, if everybody could click on the yes button and let us know that you're all ready to get started. Three, four, almost. Okay, I don't know where your yes button is. <laughs> oh, yeah, so let's walk through, and that is actually the beginning of our session, is walking through that. Yeah. So uh, when you hover over the Zoom window and you see your Zoom control bar at the bottom, there should be a button that says participants. When you click on that, it'll pop up a little window that will show you the names of everyone who is in the session. And at the bottom of all of those names, you'll see a yes button and a no button, as well as some other buttons, too. So if you click the yes, whenever we ask yes or no, you can click that. Also, when you hover over the main window, when you look in the Zoom control bar at the bottom, you can see a chat button. If you click on that, it'll bring up another window that should sit right below that participants window that will show you if anybody is typing things or sometimes during the session, someone will say, do you have a link for that? And we'll paste it into that chat. So that's where you'll see that information show up. Got it. Uh, other notes about Zoom, once you have clicked on that mute or unmute to mute or unmute yourself, you should be able to use the space bar to mute and unmute quickly, which can be convenient. Mm -hmm. uh, also, please note that from time to time throughout the session, we will mute everyone just because it'll get a little noisy. That doesn't mean we muted you on purpose, and it doesn't mean we don't want you to unmute. So feel free to unmute and speak up whenever you want to. So we're going to pick on Andy Kaplowitz. Oh, it looks like he changed it. Good, good man. <laughs> uh, so looks like everybody is, is doing it, but make sure you use your first name and last name and share your video if, if you are able. One of the benefits of this session is that everybody gets to see some familiar faces and get as close to socializing as mm -hmm. we otherwise do. So yeah. the more we see video instead of just black screens, the happier it makes everyone. Yeah. Uh, so if we're all ready to get started, uh, this is another exciting remote weekly business forum session. One thing that I want to start with, though, is previously we've had guests, we've had uh, experts that have been on board and participating, and I want to make sure that, that we're actually making the most, the, the best use of the forum because we really do value everybody's time and we value everybody's experience. So if you have ideas, suggestions, questions, mm -hmm. thoughts, recommendations, uh, go ahead and put your hand up. You can click the little yes button or you can click the little hand up button in that participant window and let us know that you wanna contribute. Uh, with the virtual forum, it's a little bit more difficult just to do that freely. So just by using the tool and, and indicating that you have something you wanna share, that will really add value to what it is that we're trying to do here. Yep, so absolutely. It, it is not just us talking. We want to make sure that everybody has a chance to, to contribute because and, everybody has unique information here. Yeah, and the bigger picture version of that is as we carry on with these forums, we are picking topics that we think are relevant to everyone, that we think are what everyone wants to hear about. Uh, but it's always helpful if we get feedback from you guys. So please feel free to email us or let us know, let Janessa know, let us know however you want to, what you want to hear about in these forum sessions because to some extent, we're we're just guessing. Yeah, what are what are your businesses struggling with right now? What are you struggling with right now? And you can drop it in the chat, and we'll grab it out of there and and use it for next session. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to. Uh, Wendy, do you want to start with any initial comments before we get started here? No, I just I, it's nice to see another large group at the forum, and we really appreciate everyone's time checking in and staying up to date on what's happening and what's going on. So it's nice to see people. Justin Richardson, nice to see you. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of these you've been on, but um, it looks like we have a core following too. So that's really cool to see building. And just a reminder that these are recorded and put on ABC's website. So you can go and watch previous ones if, if you weren't able to participate. Yeah, great, thank you. So we want to start with just a couple of uh, state of affairs updates, some, some news updates about where we're at today. So we've been talking a lot about the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, mm -hmm. and newest news on that as of last night slash this morning, uh, those funds are all spoken for, which means- They're the, spent. Yeah, so anyone who has not 
had their application approved. As of right now, that whole program is frozen up until Congress approves more funds to be added. So banks are still accepting applications and still processing applications, but those cannot go through to the SBA and actually get funded until there are funds available. So the SBA is not accepting any more applications. Your lending institution may be, so make sure that you uh, participate and you're aware of that. If you haven't mm -hmm. put in your application yet and you intend to, please do it ASAP. You yep. need to get that in very quick. It still makes sense to put it in because it's possible that we won't see more funds, mm -hmm. but if we see more funds, they're probably going to go away really quickly because we have all of these applications sitting in the banks ready to just get submitted as soon as more funds show up. Uh, if the application has been sent, but you haven't heard back, this is a question that we got just now in the chat, uh, then that means likely you are in that holding queue. That means if you have not heard from your bank that you were approved, then you are not in that queue likely, and you are on hold until more funds are added to the program. But all banks are going to manage that differently. So mm -hmm. uh, I would just give it a couple of days, and let's see what happens in terms of releasing funding. Um, but if you haven't put in an application, be sure that you, you do that. And in a, in a minute, we're gonna talk a little about, yeah, that's a good question. How many peer, people here actually got PPP funds, if, if you're comfortable sharing that? Yep, so if anybody did and you're comfortable sharing, go ahead and click yes. And again, they probably have not yet received them, mm -hmm. but have heard that they are going to receive them. In terms of the approval. Yeah. Dale Sharp. I've got a couple of yeses. Yeah. That's good. Travis. Travis. Good. And look, Aaron Diedrichs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. CTAC was approved. Okay. Good, good. So uh, the next piece that we want to just touch on is we're start starting to see stimulus checks hitting bank accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, it's generally not huge amounts of money and not, not game changers for most folks, uh, but can provide some, some helpful relief. Well, and even for the place where the uh, company... The, where the company leadership maybe isn't that on tender hooks about mm -hmm. this, the people on our teams might be. Yeah, or the folks who are, are unemployed or I think that's what I'm laid saying. off. Yep. Yep. There are a lot of people who are really waiting for this, this stimulus check to come through to really help close the gap. So there is a website that the IRS has put up that will let you check on the status of that stimulus. And more importantly, the information came out initially that basically for people who had their bank information already set up, uh, for those people, the checks can just come directly through. The rest of the people are going to have to wait to be mailed a check. So you can add bank information at this link. However, if you go to this link and you get a, we're unable to find your information, a lot of people are seeing that. And it's it like 90%. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're not going to get the stimulus check. It just means that basically they're still working at the King's Having database system. problems. Yep. Uh, so another piece of news, we saw New York, New Jersey, Maryland, they're all requiring face masks. So this is mandatory now by law. It's civil, not criminal. Mm -hmm. So watch for it in Washington specifically. In Washington state, we have the recommendation from Department of Health and CDC uh, recommending that we wear face masks when we go outside into the grocery store and what have you. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that it will become a law here. It may not, but we're definitely always watching those trends where the more that other states do things, the better the chances that it might happen here. And then so this, pay attention. Yeah. And then the Washington stay-at-home order is in effect until the 4th. Uh, listening to, to or reading the tea leaves, it sounds like it's likely to extend beyond that. Uh, and it sounds like Inslee is working on, for, for the construction industry specifically, trying to figure out protocols for how to restart the construction industry. Uh, the, the quote was, figure out protocols to get back to full construction. I'm not sure exactly what that means. There's a lot of ambiguity there, but uh, they're aware of it. But they're talking about it, mm -hmm. so it's something. Yeah. Would you like me to jump in here? Uh, yeah, that's it's actually time for you. So yeah. go ahead. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so the, so the question, for the question you, is, what can we do about it, Andy? Well. Yeah, that's a great question. And let me start with, for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my name is Andy Kaplowitz. I'm Vice President of Government Affairs for the ABC of Western Washington chapter. And uh, I am uh, basically the in-house lobbyist who helps to manage um, our position on things like this. And uh, your chapter is part of the Washington Construction Industry Council, which is an amalgamation of 32 different trade associations that have skin in when it comes to construction. Uh, everyone from the Realtors Association, 
to, uh, to even specific trade, specific trade associations. And we as a group uh, worked with both the Association of Washington Business, which is the State Chamber of Commerce and the single strongest, biggest, uh, most effective voice for business in the state when it comes to these sorts of things, along with AGC and the BIAW who were at the table, along with trade unions. Uh, there were state agencies as well, Department of Health, Department of Transportation, and LNI, who we all are very familiar with, who have a deep involvement in construction projects, but there were other agencies as well. Uh, what happened basically is this group got together uh, twice a week for the last two weeks, and we'll continue to do so, to put together a proposal that was uh, put to the governor to basically say we have a plan for a phased-in uh, deployment of the construction economy back to full force at some point. Uh, the governor has received it, hasn't said when he's going to decide on what's in there. His staff, from the internal conversations that have been had, uh, was very receptive and seems to be very much on, on board as well. Um, some things that factor in that are positive is the fact that there is now a, West, a Western States Pact, which aligns decisions that are going on between Oregon and California with Washington, does not mean uniformity. So even though construction is not essential here, but it is in Oregon and Washington, it'll have some influence and some favorable influence in that regard. But at the end of the day, they're not coordinating their response to their opening up because the conditions in San Francisco are different than they are in San Bernardino. And they're different in LA than they are in Seattle, and they're certainly different in Chelan and so on. So this has to be something that each local state will decide, but it does help. Um, what I can tell you what we do does not include writing any more letters to the governor. And the reason I say that is because he understands where we stand, and, it's, and, and there were so many at some point that it actually was having the other impact. So uh, I've talked to some of our members who've been involved in some of the letter writing campaigns, and you probably heard from various sources continue to let the governor know you, where you stand. I don't advise that. Um, it could actually be detrimental in the sense that it, you know, the hardening of hearts, okay? It doesn't, he, he gets it, he knows where we stand. So now what we've really done is we've pivoted it over the last few weeks as an industry. Uh, and we've wor we're working in collaboration, collaboration with the trade unions who early on had some grave concerns about the ability to move forward. But now that we're seeing the curve flattened and things starting to show signs that it can be managed better, we're all on the same page, including the trades is great because we need to be because this is not a partisan issue it should not be it should be something that we deal with beyond politics there's always politics involved which i find great that to me is job stability but the reality at the end of the day is um, what can we do if you are working if you are on a project that's deemed essential or if you're in something that so is supportive of essential services make sure your team is a hundred percent compliant because what we don't need is obvious signs of people not following and abiding by those guidelines. Um, even if they're not decrees that are, you know, have the full force of the law like they do on the East Coast with you must wear face masks, you're being encouraged to wear face masks. So protective gear, social distancing, handling all of those things to the letter. If you don't have someone as Tony in Croce, our safety manager encouraged, who is sort of your, your COVID police, who is going around and reinforcing and making sure people are doing that, you probably should. You really should. Reason for that, um, you can be sure that there will be um, closer observation of ABC contractors by the trades as things open up to ensure that we are doing things properly. Then there may be for their own shop. They're going to send people to see what's going on. They're not the only one. The the, the health inspectors, the structural inspectors, L and I. But I can tell you what's good is. The tone at LNI, where the enforcement of these provisions has been and will continue to be, is around instructive, around constructive. In other words, helping you to make sure you're doing things right. It's not about looking for ways to fine you. It's not about looking for ways to shut you down. That's the last resort. It absolutely is. They will be turning people over to the attorney general only if there's a willful disregard. So just be sure your team understands. And we know contractors and their teams, especially at ABC, understand the importance of safety. We do that better than anyone in the country when it comes to ABC chapter. So keep that same vigilance in mind for what you're doing, and you that is what you can do best, either okay. in or in training and, and, and making sure your staff is ready so that when the rollout comes and comes to a neighborhood near you, mm -hmm. you're full compliance. If that means finding ways to get people in groups of 10 together yep. for less of practicing, in, in private, where it's not an actual construction site, 
or really drilling it down or working with Tony to get training done so that everybody who needs to know knows those are the kind of things you can do so that once it happens, be ready. Um, the breadcrumbs that you see is schools are closed through the end of the year. These are the sorts of things that tell you the governor is not likely to just roll this thing up at May 4th. So May 4th is not a deadline you can expect to be lifted. It's where things currently stand. We're, we're good. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> Thank that. You. Yeah. I, I could listen to you talk all day, but we, we only have an hour. Understood. Uh, no, no. Appreciate it. Do you appreciate want to go through this? It. Yeah. So then with respect to the, uh, the app, do we want to do that at the end? If, if the action is not to write letters? Well, but that's, um, he's talking about getting construction open. This mm -hmm. is about the PPP. I, yeah. I'll do that in 30 seconds or less. Okay. Well, so we know that well, so just quickly, um, so I have the ability to walk, to show them on the screen how to do that. So we were yeah. planning to do that if you like. So if you could- Yeah, I'll, then I'll just, I'll just qualify by saying something that's 10 seconds. If you're not signed up for the ABC Action App, we'll help you to do so. That's a letter that can be written. And basically there's some politics involved, but there will be, a, I'm certain there will be additional funding at some point. So the advice you've got, which is to, Make sure your application is in as timely as you can make sense, but do write a letter. We need legislators to hear that there's pain out there in the community so they get things done. That's how we will break the political logjam. Right. Okay, appreciate right. it. So today we're talking about uh, working remotely, the challenge of working remotely. For some folks, this has been a challenge. Well, and I think specifically the challenge of working remotely right now, mm -hmm. because one another, so there is, all of the pain that comes from not being in the office and figuring out how to get everyone working in all these different locations. But in on top of that is it's harder right now to work remotely than even companies where they're used to it and they've been working remotely. It can be harder right now because of all the stress and strain of what we're going through as a community. Moving from an optional scenario to a mandated scenario, even if you're prepared for it, can be a little bit challenging. Well, if you've been working at home for two days a week, for six years and now you're home five days a week, mm -hmm. that is different. Yeah, so there, we're gonna be talking about a handful of topics, but we do want everybody's input here. Uh, we're gonna be going through technical barriers, the, the barriers that everybody's facing in terms of mm -hmm. if I didn't work remotely before or I didn't have these remote tools, uh, what are the steps that I need to take in order to catch up and get on board with that? Along with that, along with that migration, we see a huge amount of added risk. So there are new vulnerabilities. We should be thinking about passwords. We should be thinking mm -hmm. about antivirus software, uh, file sharing. There's a huge ball of, of concern that gets added into the mix that we need to be aware of that we're gonna be discussing. And then there's just the, the challenge of working remotely. So this is the psychological challenge, yeah. the health challenge, just. Uh, breathing and, and those sorts of things, not seeing people. And so today we have a uh, guest, Scott Anderson, with, I, I want him to introduce Kelly himself. Connect, yeah, please, I, no, no, don't, don't <laughs> sell do it. it. Don't Let sell it. Do it. Yeah, so we have Scott Anderson here. If you could just give us a short introduction about who you are, what you do, and what you hope to talk about today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jason, for having, having us. I'm Scott Anderson, Vice President of Kelly Connect. Uh, we're an office technology and, and information technology services firm headquartered in Kent. Uh, currently work with a, a couple of ABC companies as well. So typically provide IT solutions and, and office equipment solutions to the, the mid-sized business market. Great. And uh, what, are, what are your areas of expertise? So you said deployment of IT solutions. Yeah, IT solutions, essentially becoming a company's IT department and, and all that that entails. Uh, obviously, remote work falls into that. Uh, security is one of our biggest initiatives today. And then office equipment for the office as well. So printers, copiers, scanners, mailing yep. equipment. Got it. Appreciate it. So one of the first topics that we want to talk about has to do with security concerns in this new tech environment. So we see a lot of new accounts being created. There's a lot of new technology that's being introduced. We're working from home. And if we've kept our passwords in a, in a single location under our desk, uh, everything is kind of put at risk at this point in time because of all of the new that's being introduced. So when we talk about all of the stuff we're gonna be talking about with regard to IT and your technology, there are really kind of two conversations that we're having here. 
And one is something we've seen already is that companies that were running things smart to begin with, mm -hmm. companies that were running things in a way that made it easy for their people to work remotely, those people have been very little impacted by this because they were able to just hit the ground running. Other companies have not yet gotten there. So there are the bigger conversations about how should your company think about this in the new reality, in the future of working remotely and living remotely and kind of big company solutions. And then there are also the kind of stopgap solutions of if everybody's working from home right now and we're bumping our heads all the time, how can we kind of get out from under that? So we're going to be getting information about both of those things and kind of try to clarify for you which pieces are just how to, how to move forward today right now versus mm -hmm. how should we be thinking about this in the future. So Scott, could you weigh in a little bit just in terms of the, the importance of passwords and some best practices related to that topic? Yeah, you bet. Passwords, you know, continue to be the thing that, that even, you know, security conscious IT people struggle with because, you know, every day it seems like we have a new credential to something and a new password. And, you know, for years I was the guy who's, who hit reset password more than I actually typed it in on certain sites, right? As <laughs> um, <laughs> so when it comes to password, really our recommendation is to use a password management tool. Mm -hmm. So rather than writing down your 75 passwords in a, in a three ring binder or putting them in the notes on your iPhone to use a password management tool. There's free options. There's business subscription type options, but what, what a password management tool does is allows you to remember one password. So you can remember one strong password and then the password management tool creates and remembers all of your other passwords. And that tool can sync between your web browser to your iPhone, to your Android, to your iPad so that anytime you try to log into a certain application or web application, it uses the password from the password management tool and you're just remembering one password instead of all of those passwords. Or, or today, you know, you know, we see a, a lot of companies, if I sit down at a, a client's desk, chances are at times I'm gonna see a list of passwords if I open up their top drawer, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So today, today that's a problem with people working at home. If they don't have access to that top drawer, they don't have access to those passwords either. So it's, it's really a security thing plus completely a, a convenience thing as well. Yeah. Well, and one best practice that I like to use for coming up with that one unique strong password is think of, think of the places in your life where uh, you have made up words that aren't real words. They're, they're things that you say to your loved ones, they're, they're uh, pet, they're nicknames that you have for your pets. They're things that don't show up anywhere. So I'm, I'm going to type one in here that is not actually mine. Uh, <laughs> right. But it's, so whoopsie 2015, like that is not a real word and you can't search that anywhere. And it's not my hometown. And yeah. it doesn't, it's not real. We have a concept with our teenage kids that is things that are ungoogleable mm -hmm. because things that you say that are known by the society and the culture that are inappropriate in front of your kids, like they're going to be able to Google it and figure that out. So you can't talk over their head unless you have things that are like inside jokes that are private that no one could ever Google and come up with anything. So trying to think about those things for your secure password. And so for the, for the folks who are, are listening and participating here, uh, we dropped two links, hyperlinks in the chat window for two resources that we rely on. One is a password generator where it'll just spit out some gobbledygook. And a good, and, and you, a good when you're using a good password manager well, mm -hmm. it can actually do that for you. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is something that we've used. And LastPass is one free option for a password manager, but another recommendation I would make, and you're gonna be hearing a bit of this same concept, is look at your virus protection. Mm -hmm. Because for example, we use Norton virus protection, which is a common one, and actually our subscription that we pay them comes with a Norton secure password vault option. Mm -hmm. So make sure that this isn't something that you're already paying for and just not making use of, because that could be a great tool for you. And the other thing I would just add to quick on passwords is today it's more about length than complexity. So yeah. years ago you used to see you needed a star and an at symbol and three exclamation points. Really it's more about how long is your password is, is really where the security comes from. So, you know, putting three words together and having 17 characters is much better than having eight characters with all sorts of symbols. And it's typically easier to remember. Yep. Got it. That's good advice. So the next topic that we want to hit on has to do with video conferencing. 
so just to, to get started off here, I'm gonna throw up a poll for everybody, if you could give a response to that. So what we're looking for is information about what is the, the conferencing software that you're using right now with your teams? I think you can check more than one. Um, but we're looking if you for, set it up right. <laughs> I think I did, I think I did. So we've been getting asked a lot, people are asking us, what's the difference between Teams and Zoom? Why mm -hmm. would you choose one over the other? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's kind of the, the subject we're getting at here. Yeah. So we have a pretty decent response. It looks like the majority of folks are using Zoom, some Teams. And then we had, I think, one person who answered another solution. Google Meets. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Aaron in a second here just to hear a little bit about Google Meets. But in our experience, Zoom works really well for meetings like this if the, the focus is talking or teaching or, or instructional pieces like that. We find that MS Teams is a much better solution for sharing documents and sharing files with your teams, although it is more restrictive in terms of who can, can be a part of that team. It's a little more difficult. Yeah, so the one of the big differences between Teams and Zoom without getting too deep into it is that uh, teams, there's all of this security that's already part of being part of Office 365. Mm -hmm. And so when, especially when you're just talking to your team who all already have Office 365 accounts inside of your Office 365 tenant, then it can be a really secure way to communicate because it's just making use of all that security that's already there. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with Zoom, it's a lot easier to to communicate with anyone from any organization because you don't have all of that kind of creating that guest user step uh, to get around. So Aaron, if I could go to you for a second, uh, what is your experience with Google Meets and how, do, how is it different from any of the other software that you've seen? Uh, really, it's exactly the same. Uh, we just use it because we have the Google platform for our email. Mm -hmm. uh, so at home, we didn't have anything else in place already. Uh, so it was something that we just found that was easy enough. We already had Gmail, G Suite, and it's real seamless and uh, you can share your screen. You can, uh, if if you upload uh, documents to, to the Google Documents, then you can collaboratively work on documents together. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it's and, really and, easy, so. and that is part of that Office 365 suite where where you're giving greater access to your teams. They have the ability to edit those documents at the same time simultaneously. So it can work really well, whereas Zoom is kind of disconnected from that office suite. So it's not necessarily as interconnected. So our general rule of thumb has been teams that are largely communicating with other people in their organization. Mm -hmm. Teams can be really good, especially if you're already using Teams. Mm -hmm. uh, when it's more intra-organizational, then Zoom might be more convenient. Scott, do you have any, any feedback there? Yeah, we're a big Microsoft house, and so obviously live inside of Teams, but, but even our client base, the, <clears throat> the biggest differentiator we've seen is that Microsoft, as of today, only allows you to have four people showing on the screen at one time. Mm -hmm. So in Zoom, you can have 40 people and everybody have the same sized image. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's on Microsoft's roadmap, but not yet there yet. So we've had you know clients that, that want to have a board meeting with 16 people, and Zoom is the solution they've gone to for those larger meetings, which, you know, again, I'm a big Microsoft guy, but I can't argue with the, the need behind that at this mm -hmm. point. So I think that's a big differentiator. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a free Zoom account. And I think even at a paid account, it's like 12 bucks a month or something. Yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. Um, but the other, other quick piece there, and I've already kind of gone through this in previous forums, but I'll just run through it again right now is if you're using Teams, your security is probably pretty, pretty good because again, you've got that built-in stuff. Zoom, we've been discovering there are some security issues. So they have changed it recently so that all of the Zoom meetings you create have password required, have a waiting room already set up. Mm -hmm. uh, it is generally best that you leave it that way. And if you know you're not gonna need anyone to share their screen, you can set that in the interface to just disable that option. It can help with this uh, thing that's been happening lately called Zoom bombing where People are jumping into other people's Zoom sessions and showing offensive stuff on the screen. Yep. Because teenagers get bored. Right. Why not? <laughs> so it's important that we have the ability to interface with uh, video chat. Uh, audio chat is fine, but, but video chat is definitely the next iteration here, especially in the absence of person-to-person -person, uh, contact. And, and the next topic we want to touch on has to do with shared files and information sharing. So video chatting is one leg of that, that 
stool, but the other one that we're talking about has to do with sharing files, moving information, uh, and of course, like Scott, we're, we're big Microsoft fans on yeah. that front. And looking at, at uh, briefly, looking at tasking and mm -hmm. who's doing what, because the more separated we get, the better it can be to understand who's working on which pieces so we're not duplicating work or uh, missing pieces. Yeah. So we're going to put out one more poll here for you. So we're curious to find out what is everybody using in order to share files with your team? We have SharePoint, OneDrive, we have Dropbox, Bluebeam Studio, uh, a physical or a, a decentralized server, VPN, something else that we're not thinking of, and you're still trying to figure it out. There we go. Seems like we're getting a pretty good balance here. Got a couple of late additions for Dropbox. <laughs> okay, here we go. So lots of SharePoint OneDrive, which does not surprise me. A mm -hmm. little bit of Dropbox. Definitely have some people doing the uh, server and VPN route. We've got one who's on another solution. So what, what other solution? Yeah, who, sh who shared another solution for file sharing? Feel free to let us know in the chat. Or just or speak just up. speak up. Dale raised his hand. Dale? Uh, is Dale helpful? Hi, Hi, Wendy. Hi. Um, well, we already talked about Teams, but we're doing a lot of uh, sharing right through that medium, whatever you call it. Through right. Teams? Yeah. I believe yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Were you the Were you the person who said another solution? Yeah, because you didn't have Teams on the list. Yeah, fair, fair. We're we're so Microsoft aligned that in our brains, <laughs> that's just part of SharePoint slash OneDrive. Yeah. But yes, Teams yes. Is, is also really valuable right now. And we're seeing a lot of people really discover Teams right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that we have the ability to share files and share information with people. We are uh, students of OneNote. We, we push OneNote to everybody that we interact with. And of course, Teams plays really well with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's important that we have that central location and redundancy for all of the information that we're sharing. Because now we're more likely than ever to lose information if your dog eats your computer or whatever it is. But, but the, the Teams slash SharePoint conversation mm -hmm. is an important piece to say here is that as we talk about all these tools, to some extent, it might just feel like we're just saying a bunch of words, mm -hmm. right? Teams, Planner, OneNote, uh, all of these pieces. And I think there's a definitely a value in taking the time to do a little bit of research mm -hmm. and understand. So if you as a company are paying for an Office 365 account, you are probably paying for most of these pieces of software. It is not just an email account. Mm -hmm. There are all of these pieces of software that are part of that suite. And it could absolutely make sense right now to get a better understanding of what those are mm -hmm. and understand whether there are some of them that might be useful to you. So Scott, how many tools does Microsoft offer inside of an Office account? A so business premium business Office premium. account. So if I sign I, up, it's $15 it's a, a month. Uh, how many different tools do we have access to that we could be using at this point in time? Is that a trick question? You put me on the spot there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the point is there's so much that you can do through the platform and most people really just view it as an email platform, mm -hmm. right? But just, you know, with Teams, with SharePoint, with OneDrive, OneNote, all the applications we're talking about. And then just inside of Teams, all the different applications from kind of the partner world that you can pull in inside of it as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really kind of exponential how it can just re really be your one collaboration tool and pull in things that are not even Microsoft centric into that same pane of glass. So we do spend a bit of our time teaching OneNote, teaching Outlook, teaching Teams, teaching people how to use this, but this COVID situation can actually be a great opportunity to figure out this remote work thing, figure out this remote file share thing. Uh, mm -hmm. identify who are those folks that you want to work with to help bring those on board. And one question, it's a tough one that I have for you, Scott, is it, it, that if I'm a company who has not prepared myself for this emergency remote work environment, and I don't, I don't necessarily have my server up to date, I don't necessarily have my hardware where it needs to be, but now I'm kind of in this panic because I can't share information the way that I need to right now. 
I can't just hire an IT company to have them come out to my shop and touch everybody's hardware and, and <laughs> give in-person training and attaboys. What do we do in the situation where we, we don't have access to that kind of personal touch when it comes to IT? Right. And I think it's kind of, kind of a two-phase approach, right? Everything's not up to date. We're not in a perfect situation for, for maybe what the long-term solution is, mm -hmm. but what steps do we take to just be able to continue doing business, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, perfect world, if we had all the time to plan, we would talk through an Office 365 implementation and a Teams implementation so that it is pretty organized. At this point, it would be, you know, let's get in and start using it and start doing the basic things. Let's make sure our team knows how to chat to video and to share files mm -hmm. and let's go about our day-to-day -day business. And then, you know, when we come out of this, let's talk about maybe we do need to reorganize and set up our team's approach better and SharePoint better. But today let's just get it implemented mm -hmm. fairly quickly so that we can continue to do business. Yeah. Well, and that was actually a piece that I was talking about that companies that don't have any kind of shared file system, mm -hmm. uh, instead of worrying about how do we get all of our files shared right now, you could just set up a SharePoint share and just put in it the stuff that goes with your projects that you're working on right now. Just basically just start sharing the things that everybody needs on an everyday basis. And then as things settle down, we can kind of start looking at how we want to share all of our stuff later. Well, and, and taking that triage approach, it does a couple of things. Number one, it makes sure that we can still operate as a team, operate as a business. We have, we're moving the critical information to make sure that we have what we need. But I think possibly a better thing uh, that, that what we're doing is we're fighting data hoarding. <laughs> yeah. So data hoarding is something that, that is new and, and it's not that it's, it's a new concept, but we've been doing it all along. And where people and companies will save every document that they've ever had for the last 20 years. And eight versions of files in different redundant locations because we want to make sure we have it. So this can be a really great opportunity to actually clean your house. Actually, it's like you're moving into a new house and all you're taking with you is just the information that you need. And so it's not going to be perfect. There will be bumps there, but it can be a really great opportunity to think about if I had to build this again, how would I build it to actually be lightweight and agile? Do you have any thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on. We do so many server migration projects. And, and whenever we look at a company, company's file share, it's always an un unorganized mess, right? Because it's been there since 1998. And yeah. <laughs> it's grown over the years and permissions are off and there's so much stuff there. And so it's, it's, it always gets migrated to the new file server and it continues being messy. So I, I think starting from scratch like that in a new solution is the way to go. And, and our recommendation is start from scratch with the minimal amount of stuff you need, knowing that we can always pull stuff from this quote unquote yeah. archive now yep. when we decide we're missing it. Yep, absolutely. And again, just as a reminder to folks, if anybody has any, any comments, questions, feel free to weigh in. Please weigh in, put your hand up. Uh, we would love to hear your story and your struggle. And we will keep pounding on here because we have a, an agenda to keep, but I <laughs> love hearing questions and problems that everybody is having. I like hearing from you guys. Yeah. So, so one more thing that we should touch on from mm -hmm. the tech standpoint is tasking. Tasking. So I know you were a tasking fanboy, so. <laughs> I'm a fanboy of a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, no, tasking, and we could probably do just a whole session on tasking. Let's see if we can go to, to Wendy, if Wendy is available to see if she could share a little bit of your experience in terms of setting up team tasking and how that has shifted or changed expectations for the team. So Wendy, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I do. No, we worked with Jason and Mary to get OneNote set up for the ABC team and using team tasking, it, while it took a little time to get used to it and actually complete it, it's extremely helpful, especially now. So before, um, I was looking for the ability to have a higher level view of what everybody's working on so I can see if there's double work happening or something's falling through the cracks or somebody needs help with something. And uh, 
Jason and Mary brought me team tasking. So through OneNote, every week, all of us put down what we're working on and what we need help with and what meetings we're having. Sorry, dog. Um, and uh, so everyone has it filled out by Friday. I look at it over the weekend. And then in preparation for our staff meeting on Monday, I'm able to see where there's some challenges or successes or what people are working on. And now that we're working remotely, mm -hmm. it's huge. It's a huge benefit to be able to just see that and offer support mm -hmm. to each of the, the team members. So uh, Andy had suggested that I share a screen for, for a typical week of team tasking. Is there any exception to that? From me? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. You can share Andy's. Yeah, I'll share Andy's. Let's <laughs> he's see. he's let's the see. one suggested it. So yeah. yeah, let's see how he's keeping up. All right, so we can see that there's a OneNote notebook set up here. And then for the week of, oh, we're back in January. Let me jump forward a little bit. So we can see all of the different tasks that this, that Janessa has on board. So she's She's driving the, uh, the ship here. Let's go ahead and take a look at Andy's if we can. Okay, so then for the week of April 13th, we can see that these are the items that Andy has on deck and Wendy can have advanced use of this. I'm gonna go to Jared's because I know he's always spot on <laughs> with, with the pieces that, uh, that he's working on. So with Jared's, then we can see what his Monday looks like, what his Tuesday looks like, there's a little comment section over here. Uh, so her sister works on non-ABC company, blah, blah, blah. So there's chatter between the team members. We can see that there's color coding going on uh, so that, that we can associate the comments with the action items. Right? So it is a really helpful tool to be able to track uh, who's doing what. Yep. And so we have a comment that Slack is a great option for construction work. Uh, so Slack is, is another good tool. And actually, when we've been talking about Microsoft Teams, Teams and Slack are very much very similar solutions. Just one belongs to Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So if you're not using Microsoft, Slack is great. If you are using Microsoft, Teams could be better because it interacts with some of your other stuff. Mm -hmm. So Chris, I'm sorry, yeah, Scott. Trello. Scott, did you have anything to add to that conversation related to file sharing or information sharing based on what you've seen? I, I think maybe the, the one point that we didn't touch on is file sharing and, and specifically with Microsoft or Dropbox or, or Gmail and Drive is um, as we start moving those platforms, how are we backing them up? Mm -hmm. yeah. So as, as we move to cloud platforms, some, something we've seen as we start sharing files is we've seen people sync OneDrive to their computer and then somebody else syncs OneDrive and all of a sudden we get some OneDrive overwriting errors and lose some data. So we would recommend a third party to make sure you're backing up those cloud applications. A, in case there is an issue on the provider side, which is less likely, but B, there's probably more likelihood of you deleting the wrong mm -hmm. file or having an overwrite syncing issue. Mm -hmm. So um, just look into a third party to back up that data as well as well as when you move to say a home computer or offsite, you're not using that file share anymore. You probably have more files on your desktop or other locations that again, aren't corporately backed up. Mm -hmm. So how are you backing up that local computer to make sure you're not losing files? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a big fan of solid state drives. If you have a solid state drive in your computer yes. instead of physical, uh, uh, typical hard disk, that's a, a nice benefit. Yep, so yep. in a tech conversation, another piece we had is we had a question from Eduardo Rojas who says, is two-factor authorization a must for everyone? And they're using Office 365. So my input on that would be at least your admin accounts should absolutely have two-factor authentication, which uh, if anyone doesn't know what that is, that's the thing where basically when you log in, it wants to like text something to your phone or send something to your email. And you have to enter that code as well, like every time that you log in, which it can be a pain. So and, and, it's, and for lost passwords, it's becoming more normal. But what are your thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, definitely. For admin accounts, you hit it, hit it for sure on admin accounts. I think the other piece is that I would um, definitely recommend it for Office 365 for email, specifically around webmail. Mm -hmm. So when we look at security risks, phishing is, you know, 94% of breaches start with a phishing attack. Yeah. And most of those phishing attacks are credential harvesting um, where somebody tries to log into your webmail account 
So that's the other place I would definitely say it should be implemented on. Yeah, and that's actually a good point is, uh, so there, you could, again, you could really do a whole episode, a whole conversation about uh, protecting your email and phishing and all of that. That's huge. Um, but a big piece there is every time you get a message and it looks like it's from Microsoft, no matter how much it looks like it's from Microsoft, if they send me an email telling me something, what I will do every time is I will not click on anything in that email. I will go separately to my Microsoft account log into that the way I normally do and see if there's some kind of an alert there because if there's not then it means it's probably not not a genuine email and and this is not a, a sell for for core IT but I heard this <laughs> as, a, as a bonus service and I was floored and thought that it was amazing mm -hmm. that that I'm sorry it's not core it's Kelly Connect. Kelly, Kelly Connect. <laughs> sorry uh, that that you actually for your clients you send out uh, you send out fake phishing email to see who clicks on it in your client base and then the people who click on it they basically have to go through some sort of re-education because they are a network threat so so keeping eyes on on who are the people who are more likely to make those mistakes and then and then focusing on them on them specifically is so smart and 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 company owners it's often you <laughs> Off in the week with. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, any comments yeah, yeah, on that? Yeah, you know, security awareness training, like you've talked about, is still the biggest thing that can reduce that threat. It doesn't matter what tool set we have in place, what antivirus, what endpoint security. If we still have people clicking the wrong links and entering their passwords where they shouldn't, we've got a problem. So it's that training aspect is huge. We we start the security awareness training and, and the fake phishing campaigns with companies and. And every time it's typically the first one we send out, it's like 60% of the company actually <laughs> enters their credentials. And then as we do it monthly or quarterly over time, it continues to drop and typically plateaus around the 15% stage where you're still going to get people who click and um, it's kind of thing. Then, it, then that's about managing the people, but at least we're consistently doing that training to keep it front of mind and, and really create a security culture in yep. the organization where it's okay if I click on a phishing link and, and all of a sudden I know I did, I want to raise my hand and stand up out of my cube and tell the rest of the office. But most of us, when we do that, we sink down in our chair yeah. because we don't want to get caught. So we yeah. want to build that security culture where it's okay to raise your hand and say, Hey, I did something wrong. Let's catch it before it gets worse. Well, well and, and, and there's another good point there. And we're talking about two factor authentication. So we want it for admin accounts, but you can also anyone who then is that, that, uh, regular clicker of phishing email, then those people could also have to stay on two-factor authentication. Well, and there's an interesting parallel there, though, with construction specifically, that, that when we have a safety risk or a safety mistake, we tend to want to hide it. We tend to want to cover it over and just move on and, and forget it ever happened. But the opposite is true, that we should be calling attention to it. I made this mistake. I'm going to share it with everybody. It's the, the skis near miss report stale. Uh, it, it is sharing that information and making it public that this mistake was made. How can we get better as an organization? And I feel like this, the safety and security of passwords is the it's same. Huge. Well, and so since we're talking about phishing, another good point that I'd like to make, because working remotely, if you're working at home, you're less going to be seeing this. But as we're in different weird locations, having to work mm -hmm. from wherever we're working, be careful with public networks as well. Especially if it's an open network with no password on it, then all of the stuff your computer is sending back and forth is at risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, you could, you could talk at length about how to get around that. But ultimately, in short, my best advice would be, if you have a phone that has a hotspot on it, opt for that over the public Wi-Fi every time. And especially with no password. Yeah. Right. If there's a public Wi-Fi with no password, just don't do it. I, I won't go on those ever. And people yeah. think I'm crazy, but I just will not go on those. So, so uh, any, anything to add about public, public, uh, public Wi-Fi networks, Scott? No, no, I think you had it. Um, I, you know, use your phone, right? M most yeah. people can tether from their phone. It's not always as fast, but definitely from a security aspect, for sure. It, you know, if you do have the need where you have to get on public Wi-Fi, make sure you're not doing anything confidential on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are two recommendations. Yeah, and, and be thoughtful about what you're typing into your computer while you're on that unsecure network. Even exactly. if you're on Netflix or something, or looking at a public mm -hmm. news site, and that the level of security risk is lower, 
just, just be aware of that. Whereas when you're entering banking info or uh, tax info, then you might want to be a little bit more sensitive. Just think about whether it can wait. Yeah. And yep. so the, the, do we have any comments or questions? Let's say by a yes or no, do we have any thoughts that folks want to throw in before we get on to our last topic for today? Sound is resounding. It is a quiet room it today. Is, yeah. Everybody's tired. Right. Right. So then we're going to move on to the last topic that we're going to cover today. And it really has more to do with the, the physical nature of working at home, uh, the physical challenges that we're seeing, and, and a couple of best practices to overcome those. Mm -hmm. So it can be really hard to feel motivated right mm -hmm. now. And you know some of the advice that we've been giving to people are some companies have lots of essential work and they're still just rolling along. Business as usual. They haven't missed a beat. That's great. But other companies are starting to kind of see things quiet down and we've been giving a lot of advice that this is a great time to do things like uh, work on building up that Excel tool so that it works better for you next time or, or organize your files. Or organize building your out your remote work structure, right? Build that whole process out right now. Building training modules. Mary came up with an analogy that is the economy and the state that we're in right now is like when you cut yourself really deep so you have a really sharp knife and you cut yourself really deep on accident and it hasn't started to bleed yet and it hasn't started to hurt yet. That is kind of this weird limbo that we're going through uh, in, in And you know experience. it's going to. You know it's going to hurt. When you look at it, you're like, oh, I need to get out the bandages and some, some pressure tape right now. Yeah. So the point is, there's lots of good advice about stuff you can do if you're seeing that backlog quiet down and you're seeing that those tasks that you have quieting down and you're still trying to work remotely. But when we move to those tasks, when we're doing things like building up training modules for new people who come on and uh, cleaning our email, it can, you can, your motivation level can just fall mm -hmm. really quick. That kind of work, it can be a lot harder to keep your, keep your energy up for that, mm -hmm. uh, especially because some of us are worried about what's going to happen to people we love, what's going to happen to our business, what's going to happen to our team, what's mm -hmm. going to happen. So I think that it's worth having the conversation, and we're going to be talking about this in more depth next week. Um, but so some of the pieces of how to keep moving forward are uh, one big tip is that kind of tasking conversation, whether we have shared view or not, that idea of kind of laying out for yourself in small bite-sized pieces what you want to accomplish and then checking that off the list. What do I need to get done today? So if I'm going to get done, if I'm going to complete three things today, three whole things, what are those and what's the order of importance? Mm -hmm. And it's important that you're, you're thinking about your physical activity. Dale brought up, I think it was last week, mm -hmm. the idea that you need to get up, you need to stretch, you need to walk, you need to breathe, exercise. Yeah, there it goes. So if you've been hearing, if you've been hearing from us week mm -hmm. to week, you know that we what have- What do you got? What is that? Oh, what does Aaron have here? What is Aaron? What do you have? Go ahead and Hold on. spotlight Aaron. <laughs> What is it? Yeah, what I thought would make me productive, hard work. What mm -hmm. actually does? Yeah. yeah, this is good. Yep. This is fair. How many how many hours was it uh, that that the human body needs for maintenance? Was it like I, ten hours? Ten hours per day? Eleven hours per day? It's ten or eleven hours per day that the human body needs for maintenance. And, and that's is, sleep, and it's eating, and it's it's downtime. It's time it's, that we are not working. And many times what we do is just run headlong into work and don't think about the maintenance of, of the machine that is us. And something that we see right now is with everybody working remotely, so you're working at home, those boundaries can be thinner where, uh, you know, work is right in the same place mm -hmm. where I wake up in the morning and where I go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. And it can make more sense to work than to put the work down and think about the world. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a question, if everybody could have their fingers poised on the participant window with a yes, no. How many people over the last week lost track of what day it was? Anybody? What day is it? Some point oh, in time. Oh, there's a lot of no's. A lot of Dale, no's. sharp. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, it can be difficult just figuring out what day is it today and, and when is the weekend? And, and it's not that you don't have stuff to do. It's kind of like you always have stuff to do now. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we, we make use of right now is trying to come up with, with family uh, reasons to celebrate. Points of time that have meaning in the week. So one of the things we've been doing right now is there's a little ice cream shop that was actually just trying to open their doors in our community yeah, when they, everything shut down. Great time to start a business. They mm -hmm. just opened up a brand new ice cream shop, what, like 
two weeks. They, they had been happened. open for a week or two. And so what they did is they are selling these make at home Sunday kits. So it's, they just have a little pop-up. They're not just open. You have to go on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, and they were like two-hour windows. And if you go, you can pick up this Sunday kit that you can then take home and make Sundays with your family. So they have everything you need, and they have homemade marshmallows and uh, chips and, and all the sprinkles and that stuff. But it's all packed up for you so you can take it with you. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that on Thursdays both to support that opening business, but also because for our teenagers, so we call it Sunday Thursdays, which is kind of a joke on the fact that every day feels like whatever day anyway what so day is it so today is sunday thursday and that's it you wake up on tuesday yeah. and you're like i don't know what is it yes. well we're two days away from sunday thursday yeah. so then there's a point in reference of reference of so then after this forum then we go and we take the kids to go do sunday thursday uh, but trying to find different ways to to bring specific meaning to specific mm -hmm. days again because it can be challenging to figure out where are we and in that same sense, with the conversation about the walk, and we've been seeing beautiful weather in Seattle right now. So uh, what we've been trying to do when we can, when we can make it work, is we set a timer in the house. Mm -hmm. And at one o'clock and at five o'clock, we go and we leash up the dogs and we drag the kids out of their computer stupor. <laughs> and we make everyone go for a walk together. And it's not, so it is the walk and it is the sunshine and it is the time with the, the pets. But it's also just the fact that all of us are going to be together a couple, mm -hmm. at least a couple times a day, hopefully more than that. But sometimes everybody's off doing their online learning and work. But it's that, that point of connection. And not everyone has that. Mm -hmm. But if you do, it's a good time to make sure that you are making use of it. So we'll be looking for some input right now from folks uh, in terms of if you have a Sunday, Thursday of your own or something that you're doing to, to help make sure that you have meaning and action and movement into your life. Uh, I'd love to see some yeses of folks who'd like to contribute. And I'm going to go ahead and pick on Scott again. So Scott, <laughs> what, what exciting things are you doing to, to make sure that you're staying motivated and moving forward? And I'm sure you're not necessarily slow right now, <laughs> but I'm sure things are a little weird for you. Right. I, I, it kind of feels like Groundhog's Day at times, right? Which is, I think is where you're going as well. For me, I'm actually going into the office because I feel like my productivity at home would not be existent. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but for me, it's kind of that same thing, especially I'm in Oregon and it is, has been very springish here for a couple of weeks. So I'm seeing myself taking, well, first of all, I'm on more video and phone calls than I've ever been on in my life instead mm -hmm. of going to meet with clients in person, right? So that's kind of a new, new normal, but I'm doing as many of those as I can actually on a walk so mm -hmm. you know get out of the third floor get out of the office and uh get a sunburn for a half an hour as i take a little walk so that's so that's been my biggest change so you're having a video chat while you're walking yeah depending on who it is yeah some yeah. some of the time i've been doing you know a team's team's meeting especially internal stuff just mm -hmm. on my iphone walking down the street yeah yeah, that is a, a fantastic idea and that's actually there's a good point there which is the way that we can kind of help uh be an example for our teams. So we've kind of been talking a little about that with Wendy and ABC that, you know, she's been trying to make sure that she stays in touch and kind of provides an example of, of keeping things moving and being steady. And I think, you know, for them to see you on the walk mm -hmm. kind of helps suggest to them, yeah, maybe it's time I should go take a walk too. Yeah, it helps normalize the whole situation. So Jason Lang, what, what do you have that you're doing differently right now to stay engaged? Um, a couple of things. I mean, I've been doing the walk thing as well. I try and just make sure that I'm going for a walk twice a day mm -hmm. um, at a minimum. And then the other thing too is just, and this was a recommendation I read somewhere, but basically to make sure that I'm not, you know, spending too much intense work focused time in huge blocks and making sure that I'm actually doing like maybe like 35, 45 minutes at a time. And then, you know, taking a break and doing maybe something that I enjoy, like, doing some video editing content or something like that, or even mm -hmm. just going in the backyard. Um, I made myself um, some of those Cornell pole kits or whatever with we toss the bean bags. And so sometimes I'll just go in the backyard and toss, you know, a couple of those for you know five minutes or something like that. And just something I, I think cornholing is a mandatory uh, tool inside of Indiana. That's where we came from. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a cornhole. No, actually. we did. We saw people out in our back alley with two glasses of wine and a cornhole set. Yeah. So does anybody else have anything they want to share for today before we get to our wrap up? Any good stories? So I appreciate hearing that. 
we were actually just talking before we started the session about sending the teenagers out in the backyard to go camping. There you go. Roast uh, some marshmallows on the grill. So a couple of last minute notes to, to wrap up here. Next week, we're going to be talking about supporting team mental health through COVID. So we're seeing a lot of people who are struggling and, and having a hard time, whether they're unemployed, uh, whether they're just laid off, whether they're us. Uh, everybody has different struggles uh, related to what it is that we're going through. Uh, there was a news article that said that this experience, that the mental trauma that everybody is experiencing is actually much, much worse, uh, much more traumatic, much more destructive mentally than it is physically in, in most cases here. Yeah, so we're going to be seeing a lot, of, a lot of mental health challenges, a lot of people who already had uh, depression or anxiety are going to be seeing that more and we're going to be talking more about how to support our teams through that mm -hmm. both from a direct kind of standpoint how to be there and and communicate i know in construction being there for each other mm -hmm. can be a can be a, a weird topic mm -hmm. um but we're going to talk about that as well as kind of some benefit programs and packages that we can make available to them yeah uh, and for folks who want to stick around toward the end here we're going to be walking through signing on to the action app. So we'll, we'll just show you how to do it if you have interest. If you don't, you can drop out. Uh, but we, uh, we actually have what, Outlook training and OneNote training coming up if anybody has any interest in that. So go to our website at arcadewayfinding.com. Take a look, there's an easy sign in that you can do there. And I wanna thank Scott from mm -hmm. Kelly for joining us today, yes. Scott. Scott, do you have anything to close with? No, you bet. Thanks for thanks for letting me join. I think that the biggest thing from our perspective is, is continuing to talk security too, right? Everything we're talking about, the efficient efficiency and such, but really keeping that security front of mind as we we are kind of in this new remote world. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, re we really appreciate your time. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And whoever is interested in checking out how to get into the Action app, we'll go ahead and walk through that process so that you can uh, participate and you can just follow along on your phone if you like, and we can help solve any of the problems that you might have. So what you're looking at right now, you don't need to, this is not really relevant, uh, except for that this is just the application I'm using to make it, to make my computer behave like a phone. So here's the Google Play Store, and I imagine that this process would be very similar if you were in an iPhone store, where I'm gonna search ABC Action. I see a bunch of stuff that pops up that is not the right thing, but when I hit enter, then I actually see, for me, this first result is the ABC Action app. So if you don't have it yet, you can search right in your store, and you can get that app. And I'm gonna click Install. So we're gonna wait just a minute here for it to download. I see you might like Animal Crossing. I don't know why it thinks that. <laughs> okay, fine, you've outed me. I play Animal Crossing, okay? This is Pocket Camp, though. I have actually played Pocket Camp. Have you? I have. How does it know that? Well, I played it through my Google Play account. Okay. So we're installing. Here we go. So once it's installed, you can click open from Google Play, but also, on your screen, on your phone, you should get this little app. Click on it. And you see this pretty red graphic? Smart looking uh, splash page. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of that Mahjong game that we used to play. Right, that told you to like go get some breadsticks while it loaded. Some avocado salad. Or... <laughs> there we go. Here it goes. So when I load it up for the first time, then as I scroll down here, it's going to ask me to create a profile. So this profile is important if you want it to be able to access who your representatives are to be able to let you send messages to them. So I'm going to sign Jason up. Yep. For the benefit of our audience, you should use your home address, but we understand why you're not. But mm -hmm. for the audience, so you know, they're looking for your home address so that you have your legislators based on where you live. Okay. And then I'm going to click next. And then it's going to ask me, oops, it asked me to pick my chapter, and then for some reason it went away. So here it's now asking us for a verification code. So Jason, it didn't ask me for this. 
know, because I think I had already signed up. Ah, uh, so it's just asking us to. Yeah. Got it. Mm -hmm. Tested this with no problems. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see. There we go. So now that I'm actually in the app, I can see I have this take action. I have this my info that I could go to if I needed to change any of my info. But in take Look action. Look at number three. Yep. That's what I was just going to direct people to. Yay. So urge Congress to fund additional small business relief. I can click on that. <clears throat> I can read about what we're, what we're writing a letter about. And see, it's not loading. So when you have put in your profile, what it will do here is it will actually show you your legislators that it's going to send this message to. I had some issues creating the profile, so it's not doing that perfectly. But as long as you've created yours in your phone, it should be fine. Right. The only exactly. thing I'd like our members to know is that if you don't agree wholesale with exactly what the position is, you, you can tailor the message. You can tell them what you think. And that's important because I'm telling you that this, you know, like I said, if there's something that feels more partisan to you, you can let them know what your own thoughts are on that. You can edit, you can redact, you can change. And that's important because that means everybody who's here, regardless of your political affiliation, can do this. And that helps to strengthen ABC's voice. Yeah, absolutely. So again, that's this edit button that was down at the bottom, and then I was able to just edit. I added this line right here, and then yep. once your letter is all the way that you want it to be, and again, this is saying please complete your profile because it didn't successfully do it, right. then you'll just click this submit button, and it will automatically send your message out for you. And so pushing you can the message about funding small business is really important right now as it relates to PPP. What did you have, Andy? You can also forward this to people you know. So whether they're ABC members or not, if you if you weigh in on that, it'll give you an option at the end to mm -hmm. message and invite others to let their legislators know where they stand. Yep. Got it. And so it, I think there are some folks who, who have had a hard time or just haven't gotten around to doing this. The PPP funding and, and moving that extra money, that second round of money is actually really important for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Whether it's you, whether it's people that you work with, other ABC members, other non-ABC members, anything that we can do just to make sure that the industry is moving is critically important right now. Your clients with your projects? <laughs> yes, everybody, everybody. Yep. Yeah. So uh, do we have any questions or, or comments, thoughts before we wrap up here? I feel like we had a, a pretty good conversation today. Open floor. Quite good to go. today. Yeah. All right. Well, so next week we're going to be talking about supporting team mental health through COVID. Come and bring your questions, bring your, your challenges. And also to close this out, if you have any other topics, anything that you're struggling with particularly, reach out, send us an email, email Andy, email Janessa. Uh, just let us know that you need help with something in particular, and we would be happy to, to provide that support. Yeah. Everybody have a great day. We will see you all next week at one o'clock. Take are, care, Dawn. We are off to Sunday, Thursday. Yeah, Sunday, Thursday today. <laughs> Hoping they have more of that pistachio. That there was really go. good. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye, you guys. Thank you. Bye. Right. Good seeing you.